Hello, Zachary Sexton here. The Productivity Show is the place that brings together the best minds, principles, and tools in the industry to show you how to take more action on your goals so you can do more of what you really want in work and life. The crew at Asian Efficiency and I want to help you live more effective and successful lives in the information age. Make sure to stay in contact and get more productive updates by signing up for our newsletter at asianefficiency.com. We now also have a special hour-long training and 20-minute Q&A for those who are interested in learning the most effective strategies we know about how to get results in the information age. It's geared towards knowledge workers, which are people like you who solve problems for a living and would be more successful if they could focus their energy and attention on their problems. That's what the workshop will help you do. To sign up, go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash workshop. Alternatively, you can also text TPS, standing for The Productivity Show, to 38470. This neat service will ask you for your email and then your name. That way we can send you a personalized invite to the workshop. Today is episode 40, Healthy Batch Cooking with Allison Stevens. You'll want to tune into the show if you've had a hard time getting into the habit of cooking at home for yourself. You know it's healthier, and you may even believe it's less expensive, or maybe not. When you don't cook very often, your kitchen is likely empty. Every recipe is a special trip to the grocery store just to make it. That trip can easily add up to $100 or more. Then much of your food can go bad because you bought too much or didn't cook as much as you'd hoped. Or you might miss out on sales or have no basis of comparison for what's over or underpriced or what places sell good quality X or low quality Y. There's also the issue that the first time you make any dish, it's going to be pretty time and labor intensive. You've got to think about how to do it, which is not a big deal if you're only learning two or three new dishes every month. But coming to it from a blank slate can be exhausting. For someone who doesn't cook very often, the whole thing is very daunting and there's a real risk of spending an unreasonable amount of money and then throwing out half of what you bought. So it's little wonder people find it tempting to spend a dollar for a burger at McDonald's. So if that sounds like you, even a little bit, today's episode, number 40, Healthy Batch Cooking with Allison Stevens is for you. A few insights you'll gain by listening to our conversation are why 5 o'clock is the worst time to ask what's for dinner, what skills are most needed to be effective at cooking, and how to tell the difference between seasonal and non-seasonal foods. I hope you enjoy this episode. You are tuned into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today I have with me Allison Stevens. Welcome, Allison. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am really excited to have you on. You're at the nexus of a few passions of mine, delicious food and productivity. And just a little background for our listeners. Allison, you are an expert at cooking, nutrition, and specifically efficient cooking. And we'll be talking about how you can batch and automate healthy, gluten-free meals with her planning system at prepdish.com. And we'll also be having side conversations with all the different foods you should or shouldn't be eating, as well as how to, how to cook them more efficiently. So that's a, just a short spiel on you, Allison. Would you mind, uh, oh, wait a minute, I've got some puns in here. Would you mind giving our listeners <laughs> a little taste of what you do and maybe take a minute, uh, tell us about who you are personally and how you best serve 
the people you work with. <laughs> oh, that, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm a dad joker, and I had to just start putting in the podcast. I can't deny it. <laughs> okay, good. I like it. This is going to be fun. Um, so yeah, like you said, I um, am. I started out. I'm a personal chef and also a dietitian, and. Right now, I run a meal planning website called PrepDish, and um, as you mentioned, it's all about figuring out how to batch your cooking to where you're only spending, you know, a little bit of time up front to where when you get to, you know, five o'clock, you're not asking what's for dinner. That is the worst time to make the decision of what you're going to have for dinner, by the way. <laughs> I, I agree. There's... Every day, you know, life often gets busy and we face a lot of challenges that drain our focus or time or energy. And at the end of the day, you've already gone through so many of those challenges and answered so many of those questions that often, and this is something my girlfriend Nikita and I do, we're just like, I, I'm, out of, I'm out of answers. When, <laughs> when it's just at the end yeah. of the day, just, I've, I've, I'm out of decisions. I've made, I've made them all. You just decide yeah. what what's going on, and I'm really fortunate to uh, to be, be dating such a a good cook as well as a healthy cook. But that what do you want for dinner is, I feel like a question that uh, a lot of people ask at the end of the day, and often if you're asking it then. It's too late. You know, you're going to go for yeah. the pizza or for the the quick, highly processed, unhealthy meal because it's easy. It seems satisfying at the time, and uh, it, it's just one less tough decision that you need to make. So, how? Tell me how about how Prep Dish actually helps people not come to that that problem at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. So with PrepDish, um, it's a online, so it's a printable PDF that people get and it's a grocery list, but those instructions for doing the prep work ahead of time. So spending some time, say Sunday afternoon, getting all your meals ready and putting them in containers and labeling them. So then when you get home at five o'clock, you open the fridge and the food's right there and it's already been prepped. And I think once that has happened, people don't want to let that go to waste. And the steps, once they get home are easy, all they have to do is stick it in the oven for 20 minutes and it's already there. The decision's already been made. So they don't have to think about it. Um, it's funny when I talk to customers, that's one of the feedback um, that I get a lot is I don't have to think anymore. And like you said, you have so many decisions all day. So if there's a time when you don't have to make a decision, it's such a relief. Um, even for me, you know, I like to, if I get home and the meal's ready, it's like, okay, good. One less decision to make. It's there. It's ready. I already know that it's healthy and it's going to be tasty and it's going to be quick and easy. So one of the courses we just came out with and something that we're also really passionate about is rituals or habits in your mm -hmm. life. And yep. that's a major, major reason why rituals and habits can be so effective in, so, in getting you to do those healthy things that you need to do every day, like drinking more water or taking supplements or meditating or getting physical exercise. Uh, nutrition should definitely be on that list. And the reason mm -hmm. is because it takes the decision making out. You make one decision on what your morning is going to look like, for say, and then you let that decision ride the you know for weeks and months, and it just becomes easy. It becomes automated. You don't have to think about it. And I, I feel like your service uh, offers something really similar. And let's yeah. actually talk about. It. I, I printed out what you get. You send out weekly or every month. You send out your four weeks worth of grocery shopping 
prepping as well as how to how to prep the meals every day and i like it's it's very well designed i guess you were saying before we got on your type a personality uh, yes. make sure that everything <laughs> <It> shines through <laughs> i don't think there's one little image off center and <laughs> it's all all nice oh, and yes. lined out um so i the where i really like uh prep dish is that it allows one shopping trip and maybe mm-hmm. we can talk about some other tools that you know about that can actually even make the shopping a little bit easier and you spend a little bit less time on it. But I think that's one yeah. thing where we're pretty good at batching. We like make uh, salads for the week and we have very similar breakfast and we batch our breakfast goulash as we call it. It's, uh, it's very delicious. <laughs> it's chicken sausage and uh, squash and, and – um, spinach all we call that hash at our house yeah i I think hash is the (laughs) accurate name for it but goulash is way more fun to say it is um so we do that but the problem is we live across the street from a grocery store so we're always making quick little runs for like one thing or the next where your your prep dish starts with all of the foods that you're going to need for the week and then how to batch all the cooking then it goes with a one-page sheet how you basically just heat this stuff up and yeah. uh, and and eat it. Can you tell me a little bit more about your history? Uh, you were talking about you've got your master's in nutrition and you had four years of culinary school and how that's had a role in the the recipes yeah. that you provide. Yeah, sure. So um, I started out as a personal chef. It's funny, actually, in high school, my home ec teacher noticed that I like to cook. And so she hooked me up um, with a family in town. And I cooked for them in the summer. So basically, I was, you know, their private chef. And that inspired me to go to culinary school. It was a culinary nutrition program. um, Because I've always felt really strongly that, okay, if you're going to spend the time to cook, it makes sense to make food that tastes good, but also is healthy and nourishing for your body. Um, so I've always paired cooking and nutrition together. I have felt like they should be one, like every cook should know about nutrition and every dietitian should know how to cook. So um, you're, not not the, the case, you're not the Paula <laughs> Dean, let's put butter in everything. No, <laughs> I mean, I do use some butter when it's needed, but not, you know, um, everything in moderation. So yeah, and so I did uh, culinary school, and then I got a master's um, in nutrition communications, became a dietitian, and then when I moved to Austin, I started a personal chef company. So I was visiting clients once a week, and I would go through and, you know, on that week-long visit, I would prep all their food for the week, leave it in containers, so what they would have to do is open up the fridge, stick it in the oven, and they were ready to go. Um, but, you know, I maxed out at like, you know, five clients because I only have so much time to visit each client. And as I was doing this, I realized there's got to be a way to reach more people. And that's where I came up with the idea for prep dish. And really part of it was when I got home, I didn't want to cook dinner because I'd been cooking all day. And I so then I started doing for myself what I was doing for my clients. And then I realized, well, I could give, you know, if I write all of this out and record all my recipes and in a little more simplified fashion, I could easily go through and, you know, create these plans so people at home could do the same thing where they kind of are like their own personal chef, you know, they can spend a few hours up front prepping their food for the week. Uh, You know, and I like what you mentioned earlier about, you know, habits and rituals and stuff. And I think the important thing to point out is when you spend the time up front, yeah, it's a time 
um, investment up front, but it's so much more efficient. So like you said, if you're only going to the grocery store once and you're doing all your chopping once, yeah, maybe that takes two hours, you know, on Sunday, but then all throughout the week, you're not having to chop anything or do dishes every night and do all, you know, it just, it just makes more sense to batch it that way. It's so much more efficient. And, you know, if you can just go to the grocery store once versus two or three times, um, you're going to be saving a lot of time in the long run. What do you find the average shopping plus prep time is for people who get all of their meals for the week? That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner all in one Mm -hmm. day. And actually, yeah. does your does PrepTest do that? Because I was really wanting to go through it. We're going through it this weekend, uh, but I haven't had a chance to do it, so I don't know if it covers every single meal. Yeah, so um, I always said, you know, two to three hours, and then I was like, is that really what it takes people? But now I've started really talking to customers, and they do say two to three. Some people say it takes four. It was funny. One lady, she's like, well, it takes me four hours, but I open a bottle of wine and turn on some music, and it's sort of my, you know you know, she finds it sort of relaxing. So, you know, I think it depends on how fast you go about it, but yeah, usually two to three hours. And what I do is, so with the plans, it's four dinners um, that make four servings. So for couples, a lot of times they use those leftovers for lunch. Um, and then the bre- I give a breakfast option, a snack option and a dessert option. Um, so, you know, it kind of depends on the family on how, far that stretches. But, you know, usually it's pretty much a week when I've made them at home because you end up having, you know, there's always one night where you're not eating. Even one of the clients I cook for, you know, they start out saying, well, I want, you know, seven dinners a night. And then when I do that, you know, they never eat all of that because there's life gets busy. So there's nights when you're eating out or away from home. Um, but yeah, they're, they're four meals a week. Um, uh, the other piece that I've come up with is, um, some freezer meals, which I'm a big fan of those because then you can do um, crock pot meals. So I've done developed a handout that's freezer crock pot meals and they put them, you know, you do the same thing where you spend two hours prepping them and then you stick them in the freezer. And then throughout the week, if you have a week where um, you're really busy or maybe you need an extra meal, you can just pull that out of the freezer and it's ready to go. So I really like to have sort of a, a hidden stash in the freezer as well. What are some skills people can learn to reduce that prep time? I know when I see Nikita chopping something Uh and then I do it, she can do it in, no kidding, maybe a fifth of the time that I do it. So I know knife skills is probably one of those things that you'd learn. Is there any other skills that you you would suggest that people learn if they want to be more efficient and more effective with their, their prep? Yeah. I mean, knife skills is always the number one piece. Um, I say, you know, if you aren't comfortable with a knife, go take a, you know, take a little lesson someplace and do not use a paring knife to do your chopping. Learn how to use a chef knife. It's actually safer. And, you know, even with a, you know, a few hour course on beginning knife skills, you'll be better off than using a paring knife. That's um, when I used to do cooking instruction, that was always my first thing is get people away from using those little tiny knives to do their chopping. Um, you know, the other skills, I try and keep everything pretty um, simple. And I think the way I have the plan set up, it's the best. Um, they're sequenced out, not as a recipe, but OK, what's the most efficient way to get this done? So you start with preheating the oven and then you do the chopping and then anything. You know, if there's something that has to bake for a long time, you start with that. Because I think that's the problem with 
when you go to cook a lot of things is figuring out the best way to time things. Because if you wait and start the baked sweet potatoes at the end, then you're going to add an extra hour or two to your cooking time. So, you know, figuring out that timing piece is really tricky for folks sometimes. The sweet potatoes are always what gets me. It's like, oh, we got this big steak. We've got broccoli. Uh, I got to wait for the sweet potatoes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned a crock pot. And that's an invaluable tool. I love crockpots because you can get so much stuff with such little effort. Another tool that I really like that's surprising is a julienne. It's a very efficient method of, of uh, slicing things up really thin yep. and, and yep. nice for different dishes. Are there any other tools that people might not know about or might not be in the average kitchen that would really speed things up or just make things in lo- easier when preparing meals, batch or not yeah. batch? Yeah, so one that I love right now, and so I try to stick with not using anything fancy because I don't think you need to in order to cook. I like to keep it pretty simple. But the one thing that I am loving right now is my spiralizer. And what that is, is it's a little device that you stick a veggie on it and you spin it around and it comes out with these little spirals. They kind of look like um, spaghetti noodles. And it works great for zucchini or sweet potatoes, potatoes, and it just makes these fun little um, spiralized shreds and you can use them for pastas or um, fries sort of if you bake them. And there's a lot of fun things you can do with it to make sort of veggie noodles. Um, So I have a, with the meal plans, they're all gluten-free and then there's also an option of grain-free. So basically paleo. And if you're doing grain-free, the veggie noodles are super helpful, a good way to get some variety in and kind of have a substitute for pasta. So um, the spiralizer is something that I am pushing customers to buy because it does it does help with some of those dishes. I mean, it can be done by hand, but it's so much easier. And, and it's only like 30 bucks on Amazon. So yeah. Well, the- we absolutely need to put a link to that in the show notes so people could get that. That yeah. was one thing we got about two weeks ago that's been a game changer because we do... Oh, yeah. We don't have pasta, and, and uh-huh. we're, we kind of try to limit our, our grains and our carbs and our things like that in our diet for nutrition reasons. Just they don't have as much nutrition as, let's say, uh, a squash or something mm-hmm. else would. And we got that, and it was game changer when it came to making the fake noodles that that you were yeah. talking about. Uh, so I really like that tool. I just didn't know the name of it. I just knew the, <laughs> the thing we stick vegetables in yeah. to make vegetable noodles out of. Yep. Uh, so that's great. I, uh, I really like that one. And it's way more – I don't even – probably a tenth of the time uh, that we were using before uh, for – I think it was the Julianne we are using as, as another mm-hmm. method. Uh, yep. That's great. Um, so I would like to talk a little bit about – Nutrition, because you've got that nutritional background, and then you're talking about how you've got gluten-free as well as grain-free options. Mm -hmm. Um, What is some general guidelines you might give people based on your experience for Mm -hmm. better foods to eat for increased energy, increased um, uh, health maybe mm-hmm. prevention of long-term diseases. Do you have any insights when it comes to that, either scientifically or anecdotally or um, just what you do in your life and how you can integrate some of those healthier foods into your diet? Yeah, sure. Um, so my number one piece of advice is just eat more real food and not do convenience food. So that's sort of my biggest thing with health. It's like 
the key to eating healthy is to learn how to cook because you need to eat real food. And in order to do that, you're going to have to cook. Um, and to go a little bit further, I am definitely a proponent of gluten-free. I um, personally, a few years ago, my sister got really sick, so she gave up gluten. And in her doing that, you know, I was at the time eating gluten, but and I thought I felt fine. Although I decided, you know, I was doing a cleanse. I was like, I'll give up gluten, just see what happens. You know, I've always kind of had digestive issues, but never really thought about it. I just kind of, and you know, I'd always get sick a few times a year and thought, well, you know, everyone gets a cold a few times a year and, you know, strep throat once a year. That's just sort of normal. Um, but at, when I gave up gluten, I gave it up for a month. And when I tried to reintroduce it, it was pretty obvious that my body did not like it. Um, so I've been gluten-free ever since. It's been three and a half, no, almost four years now. And I've been sick once with a mild cold. And I used to get a cold three or four times a year. I mean, you know, I just thought that was kind of normal. So, and there's other things that I've experienced. So me personally, I've just learned that gluten, gluten-free is definitely, um, makes me feel better. And I've seen that so much, you know, with clients or friends or stories. I um, am friends with a functional medicine doctor here in Austin and, um, you know, hearing about her experience with all of her clients and what they experience. And also the paleo diet too, you know, I know especially people with autoimmune conditions, um, there's relief from that. Um, and it's just figuring out what works for you personally. So that's another key part to healthy eating is knowing that not everyone's the same and just figuring out what, you know, what is good for your body and playing around with that. So, you know, I've found for me, yeah, I can tolerate some grains. I don't do a grain heavy diet, but you know, sometimes I'll eat some rice or, you know, depending on, you know, eat potatoes and sweet potatoes and stuff. So it's just figuring out really like what works for your body and being in tune with that. I think people just want you to say, eat this way and you'll be fine. And you just can't do that because what one person can react to, the next person may not. So it's just figuring out really what works for you. Although I do think gluten's a bit of an exception. I think most people, it, it is a spectrum, but you know, most people are going to be intolerant in some way or another to gluten. So last night we had a couple over and we had a delicious meal of lamb and cauliflower slash parsnips, fake mashed potatoes, <laughs> nice. and broccoli. And the reason we definitely made sure we cooked a paleo meal is because we had somebody who is ascribed strictly to it. And we okay. thought maybe it was just kind of, uh, he does a lot of CrossFit and he was just really into it. But he had this condition, and I have no idea what it's uh, – I'm not going to be re able to recall it because I think it was about seven syllables. It was like esophagolipus maxima. It was something. <laughs> but what happens, what he found is when he ate wheat, his mm -hmm. esophagus would, would firm up and not allow food to go down his throat. And the way he discovered that was exactly the method you – prescribed is he took all this stuff out of his diet and he introduced them one by one into his diet and saw what effects they had negative or positive and he finally honed in on wheat and then he went to the doctor got a test taken for it and he had this specific condition that wow. didn't allow him to eat wheat so it's it would be nice to say mm -hmm. eat this not that and those books are terrible by the way um 
because they have Twinkies on there. You eat no, yeah. you don't eat Twinkies um, because they have less sugar or or less mm-hmm. no less yeah. fat. Oh, yeah. I think it was. Um, and and actually, that's something I've been discovering is that f- not all fats are bad. And fats have been demonized for a while, and in uh, in just the standard American mm-hmm. diet or the food pyramid yeah. where they say, oh, only have a little bit of fat. Well, really, it's the the processed food and the sugars that oh, yeah. that'll no, that'll a, get I'm you. I'm a huge fan of fat. I love my fat. <laughs> yeah. And, but it would be nice because there are some people that would do better on a higher fat diet. Some people would do better on higher proteins. Uh, mm-hmm. some people who can have dairy, other people's can't. And it's tough because you just, you just want an answer. Uh, but the answer is you've got to find out for yourself. The answer is testing. And is there a way that you ever suggest that people go about it? That do you maybe go on like you did go on a cleanse and reintroduce something for a week or two weeks? Do you journal the the, in a food diary? How does, how does one go about it? If they're, they're feeling like, well, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, Allison, I get sick a handful (laughs) of times a year and I eat, you know, what's, put on my plate or what I go, I go out to eat a lot as well. And maybe it, it does have something to do with diet. How can I start to learn what foods are good for me? Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of ways to go about it. And again, it comes back to, you know, customizing it to the individual. So what are those symptoms? And depending on what symptoms you have, there might be a different approach. Um, but yeah, I think an elimination diet is definitely a good place to start because that's, and that's basically eliminating anything that could be inflammatory and from there reintroducing it and figuring it out. And when you do that, and again, depending on what symptoms you have, it is best to, you know, work with someone. So whether it's a dietitian or maybe like a functional medicine doctor or finding someone that can really guide you through the process because there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. They're really time intensive and they take a lot of effort. So if you're going to do it, you want to make sure you're kind of doing it correctly. The biggest mistake people make is they'll do this big elimination diet and then they just add everything in. After they're done, they're like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to start eating everything again. Well, you're not really learning unless you're adding foods in, reintroducing them specifically, you know, one at a time so you can really see how your body reacts to it. And again, the process will be different depending on the symptoms and the individual and everything. But yeah, it's definitely helpful to know. That's that's good guidance, I think. Is and maybe the cost there might be a little bit upfront cost talking with a nutritionist. However, once you figure that out, you know that for the rest of your life, you never have to you never have to guess or wonder or worry. And you've got the the benefits of having food that actually supports your energy, which will then allow you to do and experience the world in a much better way, not getting sick (laughs) as often, having a little bit more energy from day to day. So it's a worthwhile investment, just like prepping on a Sunday is a worthwhile investment for your week. Mm -hmm. On a larger scale, figuring out what food actually is good for you. um, That's that's something uh, that I'm I'm definitely interested in doing. And I'm glad you uh, you gave that gave that advice. Yeah. What, there's a couple questions that I have before we get into our, our book, Frog and Tool, and to, and they have to deal with – let's dive into one first, seasonal. So when, <laughs> before we were talking uh, – or before we got on the air, we were talking, and I'm like, I don't know what's seasonal. I have no mm-hmm. idea when tomatoes are in season because there's always tomato in the grocery store. How, do, how does one who's grown up with these – 
you know, world economy that we have that allows so much food to just be shipped in from all across the world. How do you know when something is seasonal and are there benefits to eating seasonal? Yeah. Um, so first let me start with how do you know it's seasonal? One way is if you go to the farmer's market, you can see what's on hand, that stuff, that's going to be seasonal. Um, I will say through doing the meal plans, it's sort of an eye opening for me because I'm creating meal plans for people all across the country and really, you know, the world, I have people from all over, but you know, I, I'll get feedback from people in the Northeast. Oh, this isn't in season here. And it's in season in Austin, but their seasons on the Northeast are a little lagging because it's still colder there. And, you know, so I have web, you know, I'll look on a website or something to figure that out, but, um, it is. And so the benefits to eating seasonal as a chef and dietitian, it's actually both things that I'm looking for. One, it's going to taste better. Um, if you have never had a strawberry that is fresh, like picked and it, it is so good, it's not white on the inside. So, um, once you start having things that are fresh and seasonal, you realize what a difference it is. So the taste is amazing. And then the nutrition is also a lot better. So they have studies on a lot of different fruits and vegetables, but I know that in particular, there's one on broccoli and there was when they were growing it in season and out of season, the one in season was higher in like vitamin C and a lot of nutrients. And then the one out of season was lower in those nutrients. Um, but a good way to gauge that is if it tastes really good, it's actually probably higher in nutrients. So it, it works in your favor to go for the sort of fresher, um, better tasting fruits and vegetables, because a lot of times they will be higher in nutrients when they're seasonal. So, well, and I I think talking about micronutrients is a good segue into my next question, which okay. is organic. Yes. Should we eat organic? What are some high leverage organic foods? I've heard things about the the dirty dozen and the clean mm -hmm. 15. So uh, produce that you should absolutely always buy organic versus produce that's, eh, it's okay if you, if you buy um, stuff with a little bit of fertilizer or GMOs or mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, could you speak to that for a little while? Yeah, sure. So personally, I always choose organic when I can. Although the exception is I also like to do local. And so sometimes you have to make the choice, do I do the organic that's from, you know, a different country or do I do the local that's maybe not organic? And some of that too, when you're at the farmer's market, you can talk with the grower and see just because something's not organic, maybe they're in the process of becoming organic or they don't have the certification. Um, and when you mentioned the dirty dozen and all those, so that is a good way. If you don't have the budget to go all organic, you can, um, there's certain vegetables that are higher in pesticides and some that are lower. So that can be a guiding, a way to guide yourself into what to buy organic. The other thing that's really helpful is to think about, if you're eating the peel of something. So, you know, an apple, you would want to go organic. A banana and avocado where you're removing the outside, maybe you don't have to go organic. Um, but again, that comes down to a personal choice and budget and all of that too. Um, and then we start talking about GMOs. That's a whole, a whole other thing. Um, personally, I try and always avoid GMOs. And that's actually a good way to know that you're avoiding GMOs is to buy organic. So, Certain vegetables like corn and zucchini that I know can be GM, you know, genetic, genetically modified, I will always get organic of those to ensure that they are not genetically modified. And that's absolutely a whole nother hot topic yes. issue that we don't have to dive into <laughs> oh, yeah. 
by any means because we're just trying to get the 80-20, that, that 20% that will give us most of the results that we're looking for. And I think lists like that, the rule of thumb that I actually use is what you said, is if, if I'm eating the skin, so apples or bell peppers or celery or spinach, all leafy greens for sure, I make sure to get it organic because you don't want that pesticide just sprayed right on it where other foods maybe not so much i think what about protein how do you feel about protein or dairy in the organic do you feel like there's certain animals that absolutely that's better um i know when there was a, the other day i was cooking some eggs and they're the non-organic i almost always buy organic eggs but the non-organic uh-huh. eggs were so cheap um yeah. and i we were actually making a uh, over 100 breakfast burritos i was telling you about that for a, a charity fundraiser we were doing over the weekend so we're like all right well we're going with the the cheap ones we had a few left over and I, so i had two organic and one non-organic and the organic ones were just orange like pumpkin color and the other one was yellow which is the typical what you think of as egg so mm-hmm. it it just appeared to me that well one of these probably is more nutritional than the other not sure which one i would lean towards the organic one yeah. but um how do you feel about protein and yeah, dairy protein when it comes to it. protein i'm a lot pickier about i really like to go organic and know what they're so like with those eggs the difference is in the diet so you know, the chickens that have the healthier feed are going to have a healthier egg. And same thing, you know, if you're eating beef, you don't want a cow that's eating corn. If you're not eating corn yourself, you want them to be eating grass. So um, with meat, I'm really, I was vegetarian actually at one point. And so when I buy my meat, I'm very particular about it and um, make sure that there's room in my budget to be very particular about the meat that I eat and how it was raised and um, yeah, I think, I think it's really important with proteins to try and really know where it's coming from. The people at Whole Foods, the meat counter, they know me very well because <laughs> with the personal chef company and all my testing, they, they kind of know my preferences and work really well to make Do you sure go to I the mothership, that big old, uh, Whole Foods? Oh yeah. Yep. I, that is... <laughs> Uh, Tan took me to that the first time I visited him in Austin, uh, and and actually moving to Austin uh, in a Yay. Uh, two months, so I'm really excited. Uh, but I was just, oh my gosh, look at all this uh, because there's all these different food counters, mm-hmm. and there's like taco stand, and there's the I the. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it barbecue meat. Uh, it is, yeah, it's a destination. If you're going to Austin, really check out Whole Foods because it's oh, it's amazing. It's really good. Yeah, it's really it fun. Uh, okay, well that that's really helpful to me. I, I've been reading a lot more, and it's expensive, but I feel like it's expensive, but I feel like it's an investment in your your future health because. The protein that you get, like with a cow that ate grass, is getting minerals from that grass versus corn. There are a lot of other, if you, there's documentaries you can watch on Netflix yeah. that'll just make you really sad about all the environmental and possibly humanitarian mm-hmm. reasons why eating mass manufactured protein is tough. But it's really difficult at times when you're like, steak one for mm-hmm. $5, steak two. For thirteen dollars, 
Uh, it's the same amount. This one actually looks like it has a little more marbling and fattiness to it. So it can yeah. be a difficult decision at times. Um, and I, th- I think it's important to just keep reminding yourself that, hey, long run, it's this working. is an investment in myself. Um, you know, the, the other reasons, environmental or, um, you know, animal rights or whatever, that could be yeah. an ancillary and, like thing said, if it's I, important to yeah. you. I think it's important, like you said, for people to be educated on that. I think, you know, if people are going to eat meat, they need to know what goes into that. And they need to, when they're making the decision, be educated about it. So I agree with you 100% that watching some of those videos and just sort of knowing what goes into it can make your decision more informed when you're there at the meat counter. So. Well, maybe you can tell us about some of those in your uh, book and a tool or resource uh, that okay. that you want to share with people, uh, yes. as well as we got to hear about your frog. Uh, I don't know if you're cooking any. I don't know if you do French cuisine. <laughs> oh gosh, no, I, I haven't. I don't think I've I've eaten frog. I've never been brave enough to cook with it. I don't know that and crickets. I know cricket flour is really popular right now, and I can see the benefit. And I'm like, I I get it. Cricket flour. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's a good, it's an, it's environmentally friend, friendly, it's protein. It's it just, it makes sense from, a, it makes sense, but I, I can't quite like get to it. <laughs> yeah. It's the almond flour. We, it's very expensive, but we rely on it when we feel those grain, we, we uh-huh. want that texture. We want to make some fake pancakes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we always go almond flour, but eh, cricket's an idea. You could go cricket I'm sure it's flour. in that. I'm sure it's in that massive Whole Foods. <laughs> so what do you think? What, uh, I want to respect your time. So we're, we're coming okay. kind of on the, uh, the 30 or so minute mark. Uh, what is a book that you would recommend to our listeners to be more productive with their cooking or their health? So it's funny, you had this and I just thought more productive. So I'm actually kind of not going health and cooking. I'm just That's going more fine. productive in general. Um, but a book that has really, you know, helped me to refocus is The One Thing by Jay Papasan. Um, it's all about focusing on your one thing and what is your one thing. I'm a very focused person, but when you read that book, it's a great reminder to throughout the day, what am I doing? And is that focusing on that one thing? So I really like that book. That's a great resource. And you're talking Mm -hmm. before, again, before the show, how you have got um, two businesses going on, your personal as well as the the prep dish, uh, Mm -hmm. which which is is, uh, for the greater market. And you're focusing on one of those businesses, just one, because if you focus on two, be too much. Yep. I yep. like that. Uh, what about a, a resource or a tool that you might recommend to our resources? We've already we've already got the the spiraler. What's it called? Oh yeah, the spiralizer. <laughs> spiralizer. That'll be there. But uh, yeah. what else? What did you come up with? So, in using the meal plans, this is something that I actually require all my personal chef clients to buy when I first start with them, and that's glass containers with like snap on it's called snapware but there are these food storage containers if you're going to be doing meal prep ahead of time having a really good glass container is so helpful it's it can go in the freezer it can go in the fridge and i'm not a fan of plastic and it just isn't appetizing you know if you open if you open up your fridge and all your foods in plastic containers um one there's you know bpa and things like that in plastic but two is just not appetizing so a good solid glass container if you want to take it a step further you can get like reusable labels i like those as well but yeah having some good food storage containers are key to doing meal prep ahead of time 
All right. Well, maybe when we move to Austin, you'll have to help us go shopping because we're, yeah. we're, we're all plastic and we lose the lids and it's a mess. Oh, no. Yeah, I've got a whole system for that. I can get you set up. Oh, that a system. I love that. Yeah. I like that word more than most people. All right. What about a frog? What's on your horizon? What's a big project that you're looking to complete or eat? Yeah, so right now I'm in the middle of meal plan development. So with the plans, as you can imagine, I kind of batch them together. But when I do that, I have to set aside full days of focus where I can't get online and I just have to sit down and knock them out all at once. And um, it's fun, but it's definitely tedious. And I definitely have to be pretty laser focused to to get through them. So that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm actually planning for a wedding and honeymoon this summer. So I'm trying to get all the work done now before I have my fun. <laughs> well, congratulations. And if you yeah. need any help with that focus, asianefficiency.com is always there to help you out. Yeah. Great resources. I know. I love, I love all of the resources you guys have. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, this has been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed talking to you and listening to a lot of your advice and the tools and all of the other things that you've shared with us. If people want to connect with you online, learn more about Prep Dish, what are some of the best ways that they can do it? Yeah, actually, I set up a page. So if they go to prepdish.com backslash AE, just the letters AE for Asian Efficiency, um, they can get on there and I'll have a download of a, you know, that crock pot freezer meal that I talked about. They oh, can, yeah. Yeah, they can download those freezer meals from the crock pot ones. So. All right. We'll make sure that's absolutely in the show notes. Yeah. And of course, I'm on, you know, Instagram and Twitter at Prep Dish and on Facebook and all that. So happy to connect those ways too. And I'm pretty active on there. If people want to reach out with questions or anything, I'm happy to do that over social media. And don't go on those if you're hungry because you, <laughs> <laughs> your, lots of food pictures. Your pictures are very enviable. All right. Well, Allison, thank you so much for teaching everybody how to uh, shop once, prep once, enjoy healthy, stress feel meals all week. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and I can't wait to meet you in Austin. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. What a delicious episode. I felt like I could have talked food, nutrition, productivity, and health with Allison for hours. As I'm speaking now, almost a month has passed since recording this episode. My girlfriend Nikita and I have prep dished for three of those weeks and are currently working our way through a non-prep dish week. As a teacher who needs to be available during most of the day, the non-prep experience has been rough for Nikita. Missing meals and being tempted to eat easy, unhealthy options we all know about has been her issue. So in our experience, we liked 90% of the recipes, and it took between two and four hours to have the week's meals completely prepped using PrepDish.com's recipes and grocery list. This includes shopping, cooking, and cleaning up. Less time spent cleaning and shopping is actually the benefit I saw most from using PrepDish. You can find all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode, including the free crock pot recipes mentioned in the show at theproductivityshow.com forward slash 40 or theproductivityshow.com forward slash prep dish. All of us have limited time. Figuring out who you are and what you want to do with it is just the starting point. Our goal on The Productivity Show is to help you find more focus and clarity on these two questions every single week. This is so you can start doing the right things, the things that align with your strengths and bring the most passion, happiness, and meaning to your life. 
It's one thing to get more done. It's another thing to get more of the right things done. And knowledge alone is not enough. It's knowledge with action that's going to make the difference. We're here to guide you down that path, but you, you are the real teacher, the master, the leader, the guru in your own life. Asian Efficiency and the Productivity Show will help you with some of those small hinges that open the big doors, but it's your job to walk through. And I hope you do. There's a whole world out there. Leaving an iTunes review will help other people like you do the same. Simply search for the show in iTunes and click Write a Review. G. Porter, number two, gave us five stars and has to say, I recently discovered the productivity show by Asian Efficiency and I have been obsessively working my way through all the great episodes. This podcast is awesome with lots of great insights and intriguing guests. I have been realizing more and more that I'm not alone in my desperation to be more productive. Many, many of my coworkers, friends, feel buried under an avalanche of incoming information, mostly from emails. This podcast has been great for discovering techniques, tools, and wisdom on how to start to deal with it. If you feel like G. Porter, number twos, coworkers, and friends, I'd encourage you to make the free productivity workshop by either going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash workshop or texting TPS to the number 38. Four seven zero, And of course, plan, do, review, organize, prioritize, eliminate the unimportant, delegate and automate what you can, focus on the most important task, take care of yourself, find momentum, move towards your ideal, achieve anything but not everything, enjoy this life, do more, and be better. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to joining you next week.